if we've got time, I'd like to do a shout out on this episode. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> to the Talk Python podcast for there's a book called there was an episode on a book called Classic Computer Science Problems in Python, which is aimed at pe- self-taught developers mm-hmm. who use Python who don't have a CS degree. So I bought that, and then I also signed up for the hundred days of web python course yeah you're always you're, um, what's it, all these hundred days you must have done a thousand days by now no i've done uh well yes a thousand no day i mean number one yeah, yeah. <laughs> a thousand day ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah have you ever got to a hundred on any of them <laughs> no i think the highest i got was i've maybe got into the 60s or seven, yeah, 70s on, back in the day i could probably maybe not even that mm. high but fairly high mike kennedy and the uh talk python podcast and the guy that wrote the book was David Kopeck. I'm probably pronouncing uh-huh. that wrong. Kopeck, that sounds right. Now, when I mentioned tests, you, you winced and pulled an awful face. and didn't look too happy. Well, I have mentioned on previous episodes that I don't, haven't written any tests. <laughs> so is the... I feel, I feel guilty saying that. Well, that's fine, because you knew. I, did, I didn't write any tests for about the first four years of my career. It's only a new thing, relatively new thing for me as well. Um, and I got on, I got by fine. Um, do you have you tried, or you just you just have ignored it? What's the what's the situation? I understand testing. I know how to do it, but I've just I've never done it. Okay, um, <laughs> myself. I've I've written code that passes tests. I've run tests on code, but I've never actually written a test for myself. Oh, well, so what's that scenario then? Are you doing? Are there, is that tutorials that make you write code to pass tests? That- yes, so if we go back to my old friend Exorcism, <laughs> all, all, all of their, each of their problems has a set of tests that you have to run it past before you can continue. Uh, that's, that's, that sounds excellent. Yeah, yeah. My, my issue has been knowing what to write the tests for and then feeling like the tests are about 10 times as long as my actual program. And even if I write some tests, I feel like I'm going to miss testing something or other mm-hmm. sort of the point no, that sounds interesting <laughs> so when you talk when you talk about tests what are you talking about what's what what's in your mind when you think of tests so a separate file with some sort of test framework that will run your program and then check the output against what the output should be and then it gets more complicated when you're like setting up a database and things so you can i've seen and this was in one of the tutorials actually um for the flask app so you have to create a fake database, then check that the database is actually opened. So that's one test. And then another test is checking that you can put something into the database and then it just goes on and on <laughs> and puts me off. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to lead nicely to some interesting concepts later. So if I was to say terms like end-to-end testing or unit tests or integration tests, do they, do they do those words mean anything to you? And does the distinction between the types of test make any sense i think i understand what a unit test is so you test each method individually is that right yeah it's essentially a single unit of your code that sits independent of anything else that gets tested just by itself so it doesn't matter how it fits in into the the grand scheme of your 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 application it's just that little single bit does one thing and it you can test if it works or not yeah and i have come across test driven development before ah, i with all the lingo TDD. Which, yeah which i guess is what i'm doing with those exorcism problems because they give you all the tests first mm-hmm. and then you have to build it to meet the tests yeah i think that's a lot, a lot of companies like to work that way that's quite a, a trendy way of 
of coding um, and also very practical if, if your if your workflow is built around that um, i think there are there are a few issues with that that we might get to later which is the reason i don't do test driven development um but yeah uh so we would do you so that's a that's a unit test then testing a single like unit of piece of code of your in your code base uh integration tests does that mm, I, I i assume it means that it, your the thing you're testing fits in with all the other parts of the code base essentially yeah yeah it's the, the integration of <laughs> from, never- from one <laughs> Yeah. I've, I've never actually come across it. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So that's one of the terms that you will be passed around quite a lot. So that's sort of connecting things playing with each other and you're testing like a suite of stuff, um, which is kind of getting then towards end-to-end testing, which is where you have like an entire user flow gets tested in one single test. Um, and uh, te- integration tests and end-to-end testing, I am not a fan of. Um, is... Sorry, can yeah. I just interrupt? Yeah. Is integration testing anything to do with CI, continuous integration, on what Netlify does with our website? So when just before you merge mm-hmm. to production, it does it runs some tests to check that it's all going to fit. Uh, so that there's kind of two different concepts at work there. So then that they are running they can run they can run unit tests at that point, they can run integration tests, they can run any kind of automated test and that like continuous integration, continuous deployment scenario um, to be honest i'm never entirely sure of the difference between continuous deployment and continuous integration um but that is kind of it's doing things it's running it's taking your code running tests deploying that to where it needs to go the tests themselves sit separately to that so an integration test they netlify could be running an integration test or it could be running unit tests mm. okay yeah. so should we do our question yeah that's well, probably a good one yeah well, okay, I, I, so I vaguely understand some tests, but my question really is, why should you write tests when it takes so much time? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, I, test my, I test my programs by just doing print statements most of the time. Mm-hmm. And for what I've been doing so far, this, like, it works. It can, if, the, if I'm debugging something, it's kind of a sort of test, isn't it? Printing yeah, I think that's out. I think that's the key term there is that that you are debugging, um, right? In that scenario, you wouldn't ever have those print statements in your final code. You wouldn't ever deploy with those print statements in because like, you wouldn't deploy with console logs because a it probably would break things at certain points and generally it's it's a bad practice. It's not nice and tidy. Um, a t- having like a test suite means you then have like the code that you write has a test for it. So you say you're writing a, a function that does some maths and that runs a bit of algebra on some inputs and outputs the result. And then you've got a test for that that tests exactly what is going on. And then the the main benefit is once that once you've finished writing that, the test stays there and lives a, a, and lives along with the code base so that next time someone else comes along and starts changing files and mucking around if they want to make sure they've not broken anything that previously existed, they can then run those tests and that test suite will run and it will test those functions and it will test your little bit of maths. And if what they have done has changed anything that breaks that, which it shouldn't do, but these things happen sometimes, the test will catch that. And then because you have the test suite, you have an extra level of sort of belt and braces to, to protect you against changes messing up and introducing new bugs to stuff that you previously thought was done. Yeah. Well, I can, I can understand that. But then, what happened? Won't you, as you're writing your code, won't you have to change the tests because you're changing your program? 
or software. This is a very good point, is you do sometimes, but generally speaking, you want, like, in the, I don't know, the, it, it is a perennial problem in coding is that the code base naturally changes as you write, so your tests naturally change, but you want to be working on, like, the principle of abstraction. You want the things to be as small as they can. Like, a single unit of code should only ever really be doing one thing. Um, and... I find it quite. I find it difficult to div- divorce the concept of like talking about testing with the way that I write code, which is trying to follow the functional programming paradigm. In my mind, those two things are really closely tied together because in functional programming, if you're not familiar with it, you're writing pure functions. Everything that you write is just something that takes some inputs and produces some outputs, and will always do. Given the same inputs, will always produce the same outputs and doesn't have any side effects. They're kind of the core principles that my kind of the way that I code tries to try to work around. Um, it gets tricky when you play with imperative things like databases and network connections and actually having to like draw things on a screen and the screen might be a different size. And there are lots of caveats and there's lots of reasons you can't do it everywhere. But generally speaking, if you're doing the main logic of your program, you like if you cut off the getting getting information in from whatever source you're getting it from, be it database, be it API, whatever, and ignore the actually like the mechanics of like outputting that to whatever you're outputting it that may change and may be imperative in some way. You just look at your the bits of code that you have complete control over. Everything there should be you should be doing one thing at a time. And you can be multi threading and doing lots of different things all at once, but an individual function in your code should only be doing one thing. And if you start breaking your code up like that, into so you've got lots and lots and lots of functions all doing all kind of combining to make more complicated functions. You can compose them and you can like join them together and pipe things from one to another. But every single unit of code then is doing one thing, which makes it quite easy to test and means then that even if your func- even if your program changes, it's not it's unlikely that those individual little useful things will stop being useful. So in that situation, you wouldn't have to write uh, tests. You would just write the tests for those individual functions as opposed to... Or would you also have to write tests to cover how they fit together? Well, yeah. So that's an interesting scenario as well because then that's where we're getting the difference between unit testing and integration tests. I mean, if you're happy just writing unit tests, then that's all you need to do. I mean, generally speaking, I spend most of, most of the tests I write are just unit tests and they're testing a unit of code and that's all I need to worry about. And then I know that that's straight and sorted. When you start sort of composing your different functions together that already are individually tested, you then get into an interesting scenario where you have to sort of mock and stub the functions that you're injecting. So that's where you have to be careful about how you build, like how you construct your code. And there's so the, the idea of dependency injection. So every time you're writing, and so say you've, you've got two functions that each do something useful and you want to make another function that kind of combines the functionality of those two and then maybe add something extra and does something else, you would then, rather than just sort of relying on those functions like calling them directly within your new function you would inject through arguments and parameters you would inject those existing functions into the new function so that when you come to test it you can rather than actually injecting those existing functions you can just make a little stub or a mock a mock function in your test suite that says so so, so say one of the tests is adding some numbers together really simplistically. You've got a function that adds two numbers and then you're injecting that into another function that will that you want that wants to add the two numbers together and then multiply them. 
All you really want to test in when you're testing that new function is the multiplication. You don't, you don't care about the adding stuff because that function already exists and already has a test. So you can write a little function that you inject that simulates the behavior of that original addition function. So rather than actually doing the maths inside that function, you just say, this is a stub function and it returns this number in this test scenario. Um, so say you're inputting two and three and you want to add them together and then multiply them by five. You All you need to worry about for the test for that function is the multiplication part. So you can say the two and three, you just write a function that says this function returns five um, because that's the, the two numbers added together. I, don't, I feel like I'm, I'm getting off on a ramble now, but does that make sense as a concept? <laughs> it's very, I, I, it took me a long time to get that in my head around dependency injection and how tests, you should only really kind of be testing one thing in one place. I don't know how that translates in words. <laughs> so in this situation, you're adding two numbers together and then you're multiplying it by another number. Mm -hmm. The key point being you have a function to do the add adding and then you're making a new function to add. A so you, okay, so you've got two functions. One of them is to add. Mm -hmm. One of them is to add and multiply. Yes. Or just multiply the other function. Uh, I'd say... One, so in your mind, you have two functions. One is adding the, the new function that you're making. You want to add and multiply. But because you already have add func the add function, you don't, need to write, you don't want to write that logic again. So you use that add function in your add and multiply okay. function. Right, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So yeah. you've already got the adder. Mm -hmm. and then, so you've got your little adder, and then you're just multiplying whatever you get from that adder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the point being that you write the adder already has a test that exists and you can read so you don't need to test the adding functionality of the new function yeah so as long as the adder test works you know that you don't need to test that bit mm -hmm. in yeah well that makes sense you've already tested you don't need to retest a function that you've already tested yeah exactly yeah yeah that makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> but then you get into the mindset of combining all these things together and you start getting a quite large complicated code base where every little individual unit is tested. And you can go and you can make quite structural changes and you can like change the entire way that your the data flows through your application and what it does and where it outputs. But because you have those little tiny individual tests, they all kind of combine. Even though they're combining differently, it doesn't matter because they're all tested at the, at the same level. Okay. Are these, so end-to-end -end testing, unit testing, integration testing, are these separate mindsets or are they things that are combined so it sounds like there you would. I was going to say it sounds like integration testing and unit testing are combined, but really, if you like, at the core of it, it sounds like it's just unit tests. Yes, yeah. So what I'm yeah, so pretty much all I'm going to talk about today, and all I tend to do is unit tests. Um, and it'd be interesting to get someone who has a more sort of broader scope on it. Um, it works because the programming that I write is kind of is essentially functional in the is in functional programming paradigm. Um, so I write functional code uh, rather than imperative or object-oriented as, as the, the kind of flip sides of that. And generally speaking, I'm not doing server-side stuff. So I don't, I'm not writing tests for more. I could, I'm always relying on a kind of predictable data source. So my, yes. tests, my tests can be structured like that. I don't have to. Like, like you were saying, the very first example you gave was testing a database. <laughs> I'd be all at sea if I had to test a database. <laughs> my my job entails mocking databases and mocking APIs. I would like make a yeah. simulation of what they should respond. Actually, how to test that they work and do what they are. That's like out of my <laughs> out of my sphere of influence. Yeah, I think uh, it was. Yeah, so in that situation, it created. Yeah, it created a test database mm -hmm. and then used it for the tests and then deleted it at the end. 
Yeah. And the but, problem yeah, the problem with that as well is that they take those kind of tests take a long time to run because you are creating an instance of the application and you're running it or you're creating a database for instance. It takes computing power, it takes time. So running that test suite is probably going to take minutes in the end. Um, whereas if you constrain yourself to unit tests and break all your code up into little things, you're only ever testing one thing. Um, one, uh, I will throw a shout out to uh, Gary Bernhardt's uh, Destroy All Software uh, website. He has a, a talk called uh, Boundaries, which is really good, uh, really worth watching. And in that, he sort of cites a, a concept that uh, integration tests are a scam is what he calls it or i think he gets that phrase from somewhere else his gist is to look at the what he calls the path count so every time in your code you come to a conditional statement like an if for instance you're presenting two paths um and that kind of increases at the order of sort of two to the power of n (laughs) so every time you come to an if statement the number of paths that you're test has to follow to cover every every aspect of your code increases so by the end time you write a piece of, you write a piece of code that has 500 conditionals in it which is not unreasonable it's, it's, i think it'd be I'm, i'd be surprised if you managed to write a production ready piece of code that didn't have 500 conditionals in it you're going to end up with a path count uh, the number of paths is going to be a number that has 150 digits in it. So you're getting it's an exponential increase in the number of ways your tests have to run through your thing. So you add an, you add one extra function with one extra test, and suddenly that's if you've got yeah, however many n conditionals before you have to add that path to all of those conditionals, which means your tests get really slow and really boring. And then the problem with that is once the test suite becomes like arduous, like a, a like a really annoying thing to do. You're not going to want to put it in front of your pipeline. Uh, you're not going to want to automatically add that when you're deploying stuff because deploying new code, suddenly there's, it's a half-hour process because you've got to let your tests run and pass. And then as soon as that starts happening, people start not paying attention to the tests because they're not workable in a, in a kind of real-world scenario. And they start getting ignored. And then when they start getting ignored, they start getting out of date. And then as soon as you allow one to get out of date, everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, that one always fails then suddenly what's the point of even having tests at all? Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that, it, yeah, that is countered by doing unit tests on functional code. So that makes me think of coverage.py, um, which is just is a Python thing for checking that you have your tests cover all your code. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yep. so you re- after you've written your tests, you then run it through the tests and it tells you you have covered 95% of your code with your tests. And then it highlights the bits that don't, that aren't covered. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, yeah. I, I, so, yeah, I have, I, so when I run my test suite on my JavaScript uh, front end build that I'm working on at the moment, um, I have a little, I use a framework called Jest to run the tests. And when I run that, I've got a little module installed that will then produce a nice little table for me in the command line, showing me every file that I've got under test coverage, like how many functions, like what functions in there. Like it tells me how many lines of code of that are tested how many what percentage of functions in that file are tested and what percentage of paths are tested like the branches um so you can easily you can write a test that covers oh every single function in here has got a test related to it but if one of those functions has a whole load of conditionals and you've only tested the happy path it tells you <laughs> so you, yeah you, you see that so you get kind of a red green a red yellow green sort of thing right in your face in your terminal every time you run the test suite the with the path count example mm-hmm. that that is point you don't need to worry about that no i think you do so you but it because you're not 
chaining the things together. You're not integrating them if you're just using unit tests. You're not following the part. You're not following an infinite. You're not following an exponentially increasing like set of paths. You're just doing like every individual function. You just have to test it once. You don't have to test. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So you're just making sure you're not testing anything more than once. Yeah, really. Um, but it yeah. because you're not following the whole like labyrinthine path of data through your application. You're just testing everything in isolation. It's much easier to do to sort of do that, and it runs much quicker and is much more practical. I think. I agree. Then uh, it sounds like testing can be a very good idea, and maybe I didn't know all the ways to do it. But I, what my second hurdle was um, actually how to write them, and a lot of the times I'll write my code and then I won't know specifically what to write to get that or to cover all the options. Do you have any tips? <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. You're are you familiar with the concept of resources? Of, yeah, are you familiar with the concept of assertion? Um, like, so you have an, yes as part of your yep. test suite, you will have an assertion library, and that's how you like the core of your test is: does this equal this? Yeah, that's what yeah. I have in Python. Assert, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and there's lots yeah. of different assert options. Output from the function should equal the expected output of the function. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that's at the core of a lot of like how the testing works. So it's useful to know that those things kind of um, like you build your tests around knowing what you're going to actually say. Like I want, I'm going to put this stuff in. I want, I know this thing wants to come out, um, and you can you can also sort of say I want. You can like say was this function called or how many times was this function called? Okay, so say we've got a function that takes a string and returns a list of the characters in the string, uh-huh. for example. Mm-hmm. A string of, say, we just want a string of letters, mm-hmm. and then it returns a, char- uh, a list of, or what's an array for you yeah. in JavaScript, yeah. an array of the each character. Yeah. So, so, you put, so you put in the string ABC, you would expect to get an array with three items in, first item being A, second item being B, second third item being C. Yeah, exactly. So... I would, so there are a few, I mean, I could work out some of the ways to test that. So you could maybe test what happens if you put a number in instead or mm-hmm. what happens if you put a list in or a, the wrong type of object. Would you have to make a test for each one of those? So would I have to re- make like five tests, one where I put a dictionary in, one or an object, mm-hmm. I think it's for you, one where you put a, a number in, an integer and a float, I mean, is that's where i get confused about how how thorough does your test need to be in terms of checking those things or is that just something that's going to come with experience of just realizing this is what i need to be testing for these different things because i on some of my tutorials they talk about you there are certain tests okay so this was i think this is one of the examples if you're trying to get a number bigger than zero like you you only need to test for minus one you don't need to test for minus two, minus three, minus four, for example. Yeah. So it's, but it's being able to do, that's obviously quite an obvious one, but I guess it's when mm-hmm. that's a bit un- more unclear about what the wrong input could be. Yeah, that does get tricky. It do, you, so you do have to rely on experience to a certain extent, and you do have to be pragmatic about how many different scenarios you cover. Um, I would tend to write, I mean, generally I have a kind of a happy path test and then an exceptions test sometimes. So you have like everything works and everything is, is wonderful. Does it 
does it do what it's supposed to? And then you have the kind of, oh my God, something weird, some weird inputs come in. And then you'd like a whole row of assertions, but all wrapped up in one test. Um, so what happens when I put a number in here? And what put, happens when I put an object in here? And what happens when I put a string and all that kind of thing? Or what happens when I don't put anything in at all or I send in undefined? Like those little scenarios. Um, and yeah, I... So one of the things I've got on the, the my list of cons for testing is that it, t- it takes longer and it's a different way of thinking about things. Um, the argument, the classic counter counter argument to that is it takes longer to write your code in the first place, but you overall you're spending less time on it because you're not having as many you're having fewer bugs, um, mm. and then changes and future changes are faster because you can rely on knowing that the new stuff you've written hasn't broken everything else. Yeah, and I guess then in that situation, it's also making you think about your code a bit more as well, isn't it? And yeah. the sorts of things that might get input to it and mm-hmm. the different things that might be outputted. Yeah, and the first time I started, when I first started writing tests, the biggest thing was that I made me realize was how messy my code was. And I was like, my functions weren't doing just one thing and they were relying on outside influences and they weren't particularly, they weren't pure functions in the slightest. It was, like, yeah messy um and so having like the enforced logical thinking of how like how is this going to work uh, previously um like before you actually write the code works so I, I know there are a lot of places that do tdd um and they swear by it and it takes a long time for people to onboard into that way of thinking but once they do it's amazing hmm. by all accounts um, and i can completely understand that i live in a world where i have to get things done quicker <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's the, the i balance. like the sound of it and from what i've done it's different isn't it because i've had the tests written for me <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> so if someone could just yeah. go and write the tests for me i can write i'll write your code all day long <laughs> <laughs> yeah where it gets really tedious is you write some amazing function that solves some business need and then suddenly it's like oh yeah and you're in a place where you can't commit that code until you've got a test for it it's like oh i've got to write a test for this and oh yeah that can get I think it's not a pleasant environment to be working in. Um, it's nice if you're up on it. And so in that scenario, writing tests first is, is fantastic. Um, I mean, we're, 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 what I'm do- the work I'm doing at the moment, we're fairly pragmatic about what is tested and what is not. Um, so we don't have 100% test coverage. I think 80% is generally a kind of a good goal of like, coverage of any one particular file. But yeah, you pick, pick and choose and where it's useful. It's less, It's often hard. It's better to do it in a scenario where the powers that be have decided that testing is important and they want to enforce that. Um, sometimes you can be fighting to get in tests and it's like, oh, but the thing is done. Ship it, get it out there and move on to the next mm. feature so that we can then tell that to the salespeople and they can sell the next feature that hasn't been built before it's built. So <laughs> you're, on a, you're fi- constantly fighting an uphill battle to find the time. It's the same as like going back and refactoring something to make it better. It's probably, I mean, as a programmer, I think that's a fantastic idea. A business owner might see it differently. Okay, so I guess I just have to start writing them and getting more experience doing it. Um, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a learn. There's a learning curve with every test framework as well. Like, so, what is a test framework? Um, so basically, like having like the the ability to mock a, mock or stub a function or a, an API response and to write an assertion so to say do it this function run it and tell me what happened like there's a lot of code like that's quite complicated to put that together and there's absolutely no reason every developer should do that for themselves so for most language well, all the languages i've come across so far have one or maybe several competing test frameworks that can be put together so for for ages i used mocker and 
Chai and Jasmine were doing JavaScript testing. Now I use a thing called Jest, which kind of does the same. All of them rolled into one. Um, so generally, there's a, a you have like a test runner and an assertion library, and those two things come together. So that would be Mocker and Chai, I think, if I remember correctly from code I did <laughs> two years ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did, one of the reasons I like Jest is that it has the assertion library built right into it. And that works works quite nicely. Um, I'm assuming like QUnit, I think, for PHP. They're, 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 basically, there are branded things that will do all that, like the mechanics of running a test for you. In all of them, you have to actually write your own tests, but then you can rely on this thing to run them. So it, for, in my current scenario, I have, a fo- I have a folder called tests. And in that folder, every, every file of normal code I write has a duplicate in there. So say I write amazingfunction.js. I then have amazingfunction.test.js. And my, when I run my test suite, that's a little that the test framework knows to find all those files that say .test.js and then run the code in them. And then when it runs that, it's doing the assertion stuff for you. So it's similar to when we have a, a web framework that does a lot of the stuff that you don't need to do and helps you out, write, stops you having to write so much code, but does the same thing for testing. Yeah, exactly. It's the code that there's, there's absolutely no reason for anyone to be writing it from scratch. Yeah, so it helps you out. I'm sure there are people that write their own test frameworks, but I haven't met any yet. Yeah. So the couple I've come across in Python, one is called unit test. <laughs> surprise, right. surprise. Excellent. <laughs> and PyTest. And I believe PyTest, uh, one of the podcasts I listen to, Test and Code by Brian Ocken, he wrote a book about PyTest, which I've yet to get, but maybe now is the time. <laughs> now I'm starting to dip my toe into... But yeah, I think these are the, these seem like the two main competing test mm-hmm. frameworks unit test and pytest but i think unit test is a built-in library to python oh brilliant and pytest is an additional one this is one of the, another th- argument in the uh, oh, another point in favor of python having it having its act together a bit more than javascript does <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think i've not i've not heard of any other ones but i could be i could be wrong so my general point would be that the, the, there's a learning curve with every testing library and or framework and getting your head around that is hard enough let alone like learning how to write the tests themselves <laughs> so there are lots of obstacles to getting this done and it feels like like when you first start doing it everything takes like three times as long rather than just twice as long like you're expecting and everything's hard and nothing works um, but then that's like a microcosm of coding in itself maybe but once you get more familiar like once you get once you work out how your test framework works that then it's like learning to drive that's something that becomes automatic and you don't need to worry about that you just focus on the substance of your tests then and then the more you do that the more you get used to sort of how to test bits of code in an efficient way and you like the speed of you eventually end up writing functions and tests in the same amount of time it probably would have taken you just to write a function because that's it becomes almost part of your debugging cycle so a lot of people like to do red green development where they start they write a test and purposefully make sure that it fails when they start writing their code so that then they don't they know that it's not they haven't finished they haven't finished until their test goes green but then when their test does go green they finished and they move on on the next thing um and that's quite an elegant way of working. Um, the real tricky part is knowing in advance, like for TDD, is knowing in advance what your program is going to be. Sometimes you're experimenting. Um, yeah. Sometimes you're you're cutting, plowing new 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 ground and like pushing the boundaries of what you know. And you're trying to learn how to solve the problem at the same time as writing the code that solves the problem. Um, test test driven development kind of requires you to know how to solve the problem before you actually write it. 
which is, I think, a big stumbling block for a lot of people. Yeah, I was going to make the... Uh, what's it called? Argument? Comparison. Compa- I was going to make a comparison <laughs> to school. <laughs> ah. uh, where um, So we generally... Uh, GCSEs are happening at the moment, um, but we a lot of what we teach is to a test. And it does make life a lot easier than just not knowing what's <laughs> not knowing what is expected. But then I guess it, when you're creating something for yourself, it's a bit different to. I mean, it's a bit like I'm a music teacher. We have composition. the The tests, uh, what they expect from you for your composition, is a very vague list of things because obviously it's not something that you can say you need to have four chords that repeat and something oh like that. yeah yeah that's not yeah. gonna work is it um and i guess that's similar when you're creating new software or new new websites and things like that you need to you are you're coming up with your what am i trying to say <laughs> you are you're being more creative so it's going to be harder and i imagine if you're doing test-driven development it might limit you in some ways in that you can't th- or maybe it's a good thing, but you can't then go out go out of those bounds. You're just trying to write this, this, and this, um, and you can't think, oh, I've got a really good idea about something. I'm going to try this. I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. I think to know knowing when not to write tests is just as important as knowing when to write them. So just to be like, right, I'm, I'm mucking around, I'm experimenting, and then test it afterwards. I Personally, I think that's fine. I think it would be interesting maybe if we can get maybe a, a TDD advocate on the show sometime to, to present the counter to that because I don't really, I'm not familiar with the counter to like, how do you be creative in a test driven uh, device, uh, test driven environment? Um, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover. We kind of, so we kind of briefly touched on dependency injection and how like I, I particularly find that can be a pain when I'm putting <laughs> things together. That's one of the things that makes it take a lot longer and be like requires more logical thought than I previously would have liked to deploy. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I'm, you have. I don't feel that persuaded to start to. <laughs> really? Oh, well, I don't. I guess. It, honestly, if you're writing a little, if you're writing something for yourself, and you're just going to put a web page up, and you're going to show some something neat and cool, do you need tests? Do you not need tests? Nah, it's up to you. Have some fun. Um, don't write tests. It would be my way of not <laughs> way of having fun. But when you when you start doing stuff that has to live for a, a long time, and that is going to be worked on by multiple developers, I think a comprehensive test suite is essential. Particularly, like as the complexity of your thing grows, the benefits of having tests increases. Well, I'm thinking in terms of before I even apply to a job. You said it mm-hmm. takes a long time to learn a framework, and then every job has a different framework. And I mean, is is doing tests a skill that companies are looking for, or that they expect that you'll kind of just pick up on based on the way that they do it in their environment? Because you say some companies do test-driven development, some companies do unit tests. It sounds like you, you might, I might learn one way of doing things and then mm. I'll end up at a company and have to do something completely different. And <laughs> in, a, in a way, like all my time there has not been... Yeah. There's a very, that's a very good point, and that almost applies to every aspect of development. Like, like what language you're using, what framework your app, app is built in, all that kind of stuff. The same arguments could be applied to that. Sometimes you just have to learn things. <laughs> but that I was going to say that the fundamentals of programming are the same across all languages. It sounds like the fundamentals of the way you're testing are different between. The I think different- there's there's difference in mechanics, but the mindset and like this thing needs a test. So I'm thinking logically, and there is this one little aspect that can be tested and i'm writing code with the expectation that it's going to be tested 
that is a mindset that you learn and that is applicable to any testing environment for any in any scenario with any framework and also i think to, to, to be honest it's probably more important that you know what the you know the terms and can discuss them in an interview particularly when you're starting out someone who is aware of what a test is and why a test would be important and useful and is willing to learn that test framework when they start the job that's much more attractive than someone who does like tests what are they what uh. <laughs> that was me a few episodes ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well i know more about the the i mean yeah you read as you're coding you come across mm. them you read about them um but i guess being able to write a good test is something that is that is going to come up in each of the different mindsets whichever way you're doing it thinking about mm. it now you're going to have to do that assert statement in whichever way you're doing things so yeah. being able to write those yeah. tests for anything is probably mm. a good experience yeah in the same way that knowing what a function is and like with different data types and dealing with that there are core elements that are applicable across the board and that's the semantics of it may change from job to job and environment to environment but knowing that tests are a thing and that they are important, particularly when you're doing enterprise-level coding, um, is massively useful, I think. And will uh, yeah, not only is it massively useful, but it will help you get jobs because you will be more attractive as a, a candidate. Mm. Well, you've changed my mind a little bit there. <laughs> so I'm going to find a very small project to start with and just try and write some simple tests for it, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, my advice for you would be to do just exactly that. Don't get hung up on writing tests for everything, but just have written one or two and know know it in the hand a little bit as much as you know it in the head, so that when you come to talk about it, you're talking from a, a place of knowledge. Um, yeah, you don't have. I wouldn't obsess over every single piece in your portfolio is fully has 100% test coverage, or even any test coverage. It's more important that you can show that you can do interesting work and that you have a logical brain and are willing to get stuck in into a work environment. That's more important. Yeah. So maybe go back to one of my previous projects i've worked on not to not to change it at all but just to add some test coverage in just to get practice of it yeah and i would say in like now as someone who is about to start a job hunt you being this being um <laughs> someone who's about to start hunt, hunt, hunting for coding jobs and who is relatively inexperienced you like you just have self-initiated projects to kind of demonstrate go back do that for one project and then don't think about it again until you start working and they start making you do tests yeah. lovely i like that Time-saving and useful. Yeah, I think it's about efficiency because you're, I, to be perfectly honest, at the scale of, like, you expect to have to train junior developers in your testing framework. That's like a given. Um, but you, it, but they would be much more attractive as candidates if they know what testing is and they're familiar with that. And so they, they will, you know, they'll pick it up quicker. Um, so your your time investment now should be get a, get get a rough grasp of what they like, have some experience of it, but then focus on the rest of your coding because you've got a lot to take in tests are just a small part of that don't let it dominate your thinking too much yeah that is a worry isn't it making there are there's only so much time i've got to learn things which is going to be more useful yeah i mean making I'm starting out yeah make it making your like that rugby graph you did of the premiership table is much more useful to you in terms of like showing that you can code and do stuff than writing test suite for it i think results like demonstrable results are, are great and, and I've now been working on turning that into a, a Postgres, uh, PostgreSQL database on oh, the, the back end, which nice. has been a bit of a challenge. Yeah. But I think that's a pretty good sort of over, like particularly 
like it's a good overview of testing to start with and you've got some as a new coder you have some actionable things which is i suppose maybe surprising from one of these podcasts <laughs> <laughs> actually a, a definitive thing you can go and do go and write a test and job done move on with your job search <laughs> it's a good way yeah. to a good place to wrap things up i think yeah i like that thank you yeah you have yeah you've i was very unsure at the beginning and i feel more confident about doing writing a test now that i know i think the problem was it just felt like such a big thing that testing you have to cover everything but just knowing that i can just have a little mess around (laughs) just yeah write it for something fairly simple at the moment is quite comforting i think that's great I i would call that mission accomplished um but yeah so thank you very much for listening and we will see you when we see you don't forget to check us out on our website, aqoc.dev. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at aqocode. Tara. Thanks. Bye.